All episodes of It's Great Business reflect the views and opinions of Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group and its guests and do not reflect the official policy or guidance of employers or government entities. You're listening to It's Great Business, sponsored by Intracoastal Marketing and Strategy Group, where great business equals great people. Welcome to It's Great Business, and I'm Janice Berg-Levy. Today, my guest is Jen Sloan, a yoga and meditation teacher based in Jupiter, Florida. Prior to becoming a yoga and meditation teacher, as well as owner of Om Shanti Yoga, Jen was a successful Miami-based makeup artist working in the very glamorous world of fashion. Her clients included well-known models and celebrities. What she quickly learned was that these seemingly perfect women had similar fears and securities as her own. Jen says that her classes are known to stir the soul, strengthen the body, and calm the mind. Please welcome Jen Sloan. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to have this conversation with you. And um, like so many of our guests, I have gotten to know you over the last several years and just bring so much joy to me. And I thought that our listeners would really enjoy hearing your story and, um, and sharing some of your learnings and perspectives. So I like to get right into it. And, um, you know, even though we, we went through your bio, really, I, I it's it's always nice to hear from the person. Tell me, you know, who are you and what do you really believe your purpose is? What are you passionate about? Such a challenging question, right? You can go in like a hundred different mm-hmm. directions. Mm-hmm. I think my passion lies within teaching and showing people how to be more mindful. And that can show up in so many different ways. It can show up in the way that you practice yoga. It can show up in the way that you hold yourself in a meeting. It can show up in the way that you parent your child, the way that you are around your family. Um, So many of these things I did not have access to, or I didn't know the tools of. Um, And now that I've discovered a few of them, it, it feels like such a blessing to be able to share that with with my community. That's great. I mean, you know, we hear the word mindful a lot. It's it's become kind of this catchphrase for people. You know, I'm stressed out. I have to get more mindful. What is, what does it mean? What does mindful mean? In its simplest form, mindfulness is just paying attention. So you can be mindful in the way that you breathe, which means you're paying attention to the way in which you do it. You can be mindful in the way that you have conversations, which means you are paying attention to the person that's speaking and not waiting for them to finish so you can interject with your thoughts. Um, In its simplest form, it it means paying attention. And I agree with you. I think that it's become um, beautifully a buzzword, but also this term that kind of gets watered down and we we throw it out there and we use it without really knowing what it means. Um, It just means paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess there's different ways that you can practice it, certainly, but we'll get a little more into that. But let's start with more about your personal and career journey. Tell me about it. How did you end up in in this space? So as long as I can remember, my dream was to be a makeup artist. I have very vivid memories of having sleepovers with my girlfriends in elementary school. And what we would do at night is put makeup on each other. 
um, we paint with different eyeshadows. And back then it was like blue and purple and glitter and, <laughs> and like all the fun things that you do when you're little. And as I got into high school, I was involved in uh, the performing arts department. So choir and theater. And we got like little hints of like, this is how you should do makeup for performances and such. And I just fell in love with it. I thought it was so fun. It felt like a tangible way for me to be creative because I never was like a good artist per se. I couldn't really draw. Um, so it felt like a creative outlet. When I was a freshman in college, I applied to work at Mac. And back then they told me I didn't have any experience. So I wasn't hired for the job. But then a few months later, I kept going back to the counter, buying all the new things, asking questions, and they reached out to me and offered me a job. So I worked at Mac Cosmetics for almost six years. And I thought I like struck gold. I actually dropped out of college because I had a job now. So I didn't need to go to school. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I had this great job. It was such beautiful experience because I got to meet different people, different colors of skin, different textures of skin, people from all over the world. And I got to practice putting makeup on. Back then, it felt empowering to show people how a little bit of lipstick or a little bit of concealer might make you feel better. And when we feel better, we do better. After my stint at MAC, I left that to freelance and work for myself. And from there, I jumped into the world of fashion. I was on photo shoots. I was flying up to New York and doing fashion week. I was working with celebrities and models and people that I had known their names for many, many years. I was traveling. And on paper, I was living the dream. I was doing all of the things that I had always wanted to do. And there was a piece of me that wasn't fulfilled. The more I got into the fashion industry, the more I started to see all the smoke and mirrors, which isn't wrong or bad, but I just didn't connect with it anymore. Um, I didn't feel like I was doing my due diligence in creating a shift in the world by choosing the plum lipstick over the raspberry lipstick, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And well, I have well, plenty. Let me, let, let me just go back for a second, because <laughs> I am sure, well, first of all, we have a lot of listeners who are different parts of their career journey, you know, starting out middle uh, and, um, and reinventing. But I, I guess the first thing that I, I would want to know, and I'm sure our listeners do any famous names you can share. Sure. I mean, I, I, I will get to the fast forward. Um, when I decided to teach yoga, I signed up for a yoga teacher training. I'll fill in the blanks in between, but the first okay. night of my teacher training, my day looked like driving to Miami to work with Diane von Furstenberg and then take a little break. And then I went to Elle McPherson's house, did her makeup, took a little break. And then I drove to Boca Raton and attended my first night of yoga teacher training. Wow. And I remember looking at my calendar that day thinking like, oh my gosh, again, I'm living the dream. I'm doing all of the things that I wanted to do. And there was this pull for me knowing that I was going to leave the fashion world. I, I knew that I, I was no longer fulfilled by it or inspired by it. I guess I felt like I had 
without sounding too cheesy, like some bigger work to do. And I didn't know how to do that while painting beautiful faces. <laughs> I got yeah. to experience a lot of amazing things. And yeah, I was in my 20s. So I was young, about 27. I went through a divorce, which is not how anyone anticipates their 20s being. And regardless if you've been married for four years or for 40 years, an experience like that can really shake you and really allow you to question the things that you're doing, question your future and take a look at what what your purpose is, what's meaningful. So as I was going through this really intense time, I started running. Running was my form of exercise back then. And my body felt really tight and uncomfortable. Now as a yoga teacher, I understand what was going on, not only physically, but energetically. But back then I was like, my hamstrings are tight. I'm running too much. I'm going to go take a yoga class. This is something that I've done on and off for six, seven, eight years. So let me go back to that. And the type of yoga that I was doing back then was like fun hip hop yoga. There was no spiritual talk at all. We're like doing triple chaturangas. It was like purely physical. And I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I had this defining moment in one class where I felt like I saw myself for the first time. And back then you would have never seen me without makeup on. Not that I wore a lot, but I definitely had what I now call like my mask that I felt comfortable in. And it was so rare that you would see me without that. So in this class, like my face is all purple from sweating. My hair is in like a top knot. And mm -hmm. I felt like I was seeing myself for the first time. And it was such a powerful moment. After that class, I asked my teacher, like, how do you do this? Like, how does someone just teach yoga? I, like didn't understand. And she told me a little bit about a teacher's training and such and such. And I started thinking about it and meditating on it, if you will. And I decided to do a teacher's training. I remember sh like my hand literally shaking as I gave the teacher like the check to do my first training because I knew that I was about to make another huge shift and I didn't really know what it looked like. I think if we if we just sort of step back for a second, mm -hmm. people who go through different pieces of their career journey, right? Oftentimes I call it jumping off a cliff. Yeah. There's something inside that says, I'm going to try this. Mm -hmm. And what we really, and, and our listeners know this, is that what I always say is you don't want to live to regret. So if you play it safe at some point, you know, no decision is a decision. Yeah. And you don't want to look back and say, I should have taken that road. So you know, again, use good judgment. Don't be, you know, crazy. You know, you might have to support a family. You have other obligations. We all do. But for you, what it sounds like is that, you know, you in your gut deep down, there was a voice that was telling you to go do that. And I think that's something that's really important for the listeners is that listen to, and this sounds really funny, listen to your inner voice and really, you know, take, do the jump. Okay. I've done it. I've jumped off of cliffs and gone, oh, geez, you know, and I start swimming and swimming and swimming. And I feel like there's no paddle there. And, but eventually you, you come up and you kind of figure it out. Like, what did I learn? Is this the right path? And oh, by the way, if it wasn't exactly what you thought it was going to be, there's always going to be some sort of a, you know, a life vest or something that, you know, you might make your way back 
halfway to what you were doing, all the way back to what you were doing. And then, you know, you, you kind of take the next step forward, mm. but it sounds like, you know, for you, there were just so many different changes in your life that it was time for that, for that, mm. uh, that switch over. So mm. yeah, no, I mean, I think that's really, really rich. You know, when you think about, well, well I'm just curious when you, when you were in school, before you decided to be the makeup artist of the world of, of celebrities, et cetera. What were you, what did you think you were going to study? Just, I'm just curious. So when I was little, little, truly, I wanted to be Whitney Houston when I grew up. Oh, okay. okay. I wanted to sing and be on stage. I wanted to dance. Like I was very much uh, the performer, if you will. Yet I had this like crazy anxiety. Like even now how I stand in front of a room of, 20, 30, 40, 100 people and talk, like it blows my mind that I'm able to do that because there's still like that, you know, that little, that little girl in me that's like, what are you doing? Ah. So when I was little, I wanted to be Whitney Houston. <laughs> and then as I like became a little bit older in high school, they, they ask you to, to pick a career. It was so hard for me to choose. I had no idea. I studied music in college. Again, I only went for a year and a half. Um, I studied music and psychology. I was always fascinated with the brain with the mind. Now I have the words to attach to it. But back then I didn't know that I, I lived with this like low buzz of anxiety most of my life. Now as an adult, through studying, through practice, through understanding my family, the history and all that, I, I understand now more where it comes from. But I was always fascinated with the way that the mind worked. And so psychology was always a very interesting thing for me. Had I finished college, I would have gone back and got my master's in psychotherapy. And I think that would have been my path rather than fashion, makeup, beauty. But you somehow came into the world of, of health and mental health and, you know, indirectly physical, mental, where it all comes together. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that you did, you did find that, that road. Mm -hmm. So now you sort of look back on all those things and the world's coming together. How do you define success? today? I think it's relative depending on who you ask. For me, success is doing something that feels fulfilling, that feels authentic, and also making space for the things that nourish you and that refuel you. If I looked at my life five years ago, right now I am living the most successful life I could have imagined. I own a business with one of my best friends. We have a beautiful community. I get to teach yoga and meditation and offer workshops and work with folks one-on-one. -on -one. have an amazing family. I've since remarried someone that I've known for 13 years. We have a beautiful daughter. Like on paper, I'm living the dream. And I'm human. And just like everyone else, those parts, well, I wish life was a little like this and a little like that. So I think it's important to name that and label that. I think it's very normal to, to always be seeking. And I think that's also part of the fun because right now I'm living the dream. But 10 years ago, I was living the dream. The dream just changed. And the right. dream that I'm living now is going to shift in five years and five years from now. So I think it's also important to to take a look at, at where you're at now. Some folks might have a job that they're not fulfilled by, but perhaps that job is providing for their family or allowing them to be in a place where they can travel. Like there, there are benefits to all the things. And sometimes just taking a step back 
taking a breath and looking at like, what is life actually providing? I think that's really an important practice for us to do. You know, it's, um, we have a lot of people on the, on this that also are contemplating becoming entrepreneurs. There's so much actually out on social media right now. I just saw a really funny video um, about someone who had left, you know, the security of being in corporate and uh, became an entrepreneur. And you see him on the edge of kind of what looks like a body of water, maybe a lake or something. And he starts to pick up little pieces and all of a sudden he makes the wrong step and he goes under in the lake and you see him bounce back up and they go, I, and, and the comments were, uh, I wish I had seen this video like 20 years ago when I contemplated becoming an entrepreneur. And and I can tell you, I've, I've experienced that where you're like, oh, I'll be in control and it's going to be great and blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, oh, and reality hits, right? Mm-hmm. With all the things that you have to deal with to open a business and manage a business. So is there anything that you would have done differently in your life's journey? And and this is always an interesting question that uh, we often ask guests. So my, my initial quick response is like, no, of course, because my life unfolded the way that it did because of circumstances that happened. So that's one answer. Another answer would be, I wish I would have listened to my parents when I was younger. <laughs> um, mm. I haven't, haven't talked about them yet, but my family comes from Brazil. I'm the first American born in my family. And even though I was raised in South Florida, I was very much raised within the culture of Brazil. My parents have always been self-employed, always, to varying degrees. They used to clean houses, and then they became mortgage brokers, and then they became real estate agents, like such a wide array of different jobs that they've had, and they've always worked hard. I remember vividly being younger, my parents saying, you know, the real estate market is really great. This was in the 90s, uh, going into early 2000s. So when you graduate college, you should get your real estate license and you'll come work for the family business. And I was like, what? I'm not going to work for myself. That sounds so boring. <laughs> like, I didn't want to create my own schedule and make spreadsheets and like all the things. And it's funny now looking back, like I had no idea about what it took to run a business. I just saw that my parents worked a lot which was part of the culture, like where they came from. That's what you did. You worked really hard to provide for your family. Um, But it's funny because since I left Mac, I was 24, 25 then, and I've been self-employed ever since. (laughs) Like My brain is quite analytical. I love spreadsheets. I love organization. I love creating schedules. I love time management. I love QuickBooks, like all of those things that, you know, it takes to run one's business. I, I would have never thought that I would have related to that 20, 30 years ago, but my parents knew. <laughs> yeah. We, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of things written about, you know, when you're, you know, you're a certain age and you think your parents don't get it. Right. And then it, it progresses. And then all of a sudden it's like, you're, you become them 100%. and then you suddenly realize, well, maybe they did get it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a very interesting progression. Um, very normal. Mm-hmm. So we're going to switch for a second here to um, some things around fun facts about you. So favorite book? Ooh, favorite book. I love The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. I've probably read that four or five times. If you've not read it, highly recommend it. It's a, a book about mindfulness and meditation. 
and it's written in a way that's very tangible, um, easy to read. It's not uh, ethereal in any way. He refers to that that inner chatter that we all have. I call it a monkey mind. He refers to it as your inner roommate. And uh, he writes about, imagine living your life with this inner roommate next to you, saying all the things out loud to you that you're thinking in your mind. Like you would just drive yourself crazy. So like, how do we tame that inner roommate? And I really appreciate the way that he writes the book, because again, I think it's an easy read and very tangible for for all people, whether they've been meditating for 10 years or whether it's just now like a seed that's been planted in their mind. Nice. Okay. So as a health expert, favorite food? Cookies and cream, ice cream. <gasps> I was expecting like kale or no. something like that. Well, yay. Good to see <laughs> that. Good. Thank you. You Ice cream is my, my love language. Uh, restored my faith. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I also I really love that. avocado on anything, but my favorite food is is ice cream. It just okay. Makes me happy. Okay. Admit you keep you're keeping it real. Thank you. Appreciate Always. that. Okay. So um I know that you are doing some very unique uh things with the you know studio, with the yoga studio. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure, thank you. All of our classes that we offer in studio, we also offer virtually. So anyone can join in regardless of where they are in the world and live stream for every single class that we do here. So all of the devastation of COVID aside, one of the brilliant things that came out of it is us recognizing ways to connect with each other without physically being in the same space. And while physically being in the same space is beautiful and amazing, Sometimes we just don't have access to go to the place for whatever reason. So when I opened the studio, it was important to me to still stay connected with my students and with my friends that live in different states, uh, different countries. People have relocated since COVID and whatnot. So we do offer all of our classes virtually and we record our classes as well. So on our website, we have an on-demand library. Anyone can go and rent a class at any point from all of our teachers I do retreats every year. Of course, there was a little break because of COVID. But in the past, I've done yoga retreats to Park City, Utah, to Vancouver and Whistler up in BC, Canada. Next year, I am doing a yoga and culinary retreat in Europe between Italy and Greece. So we haven't quite landed on the space yet. Wow. Nice. Really nice. All right. Well, I am sure that our listeners are going to want to reach out and find out more. So how how do they get to you? What's what's the best way? Website, email? So personally, I'm on Instagram at Jen Sloan Yoga. And you can find the studio information at Om Shanti Yoga School. And our website for the studio is www.omshantiyogaschool.com. On there, you'll see information about our classes, workshops. We often have other facilitators that travel in to facilitate wonderful experiences and about retreats. Fabulous. Well, Jen, it has been so fun really getting to know you even better. And once again, thanks for sharing your story with our listeners. Thank you. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Also, check us out on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. And visit us on the web at intracoastalmarketingstrategy.com.